Welcome back to another episode of It's About Time, a DC sports podcast. Really kind of centering now on the Washington Nationals, who just finished up a World Series title. First time I've been able to say that. Uh, well, second time because I recorded a podcast right after the World Series. But my name's Nate. I'm your host of uh, It's About Time. And just so you guys know, you can follow us on Twitter. It's About Time DC1, ITS About Time DC1. And you can also subscribe wherever podcasts are available, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Anchor, which is what we're recording this on. Uh, would love to have you guys listening. Would love to have you guys subscribe and rate us. Uh, always great. I know that the uh, podcast has been a little bit more sporadic lately, but I've been focusing more on the Nationals. And this time of year especially, things are a lot slower. But this is the Nationals intro into free agency edition. Uh, we're going to talk about what position the Nationals are in. Uh, what free agents they have, who they should bring back, how they should manage your money, uh, at least in my opinion, and just you know, right at the outset. I'm an amateur. I A lot of these salaries that I'm projecting, I'm guessing on, I have no idea. I'm going to kind of base them off. I, I have based them off of contracts that are already out there, what my personal opinion is and what these people are worth. But that's just, I'm throwing it out there. I'm an amateur, having a little fun. You know, this is just a, it's a fun experience. So uh, we're going to go through it and uh, let's get started. First of all, it is a unique situation for the Nats in that A, they're com- they are coming off a World Series title, but also they have the potential to lose three superstars in two seasons. Uh, say what you want about Bryce Harper. He was a superstar and many people consider him to be a top 20, 25 player in the league or in the Major League Baseball, and they have the potential, if they don't re-sign Steven Strasburg and Anthony Rendon, to lose those two as well. And those two, in my mind, are firmly entrenched in the top 15 in baseball. That's a unique situation. Uh, Winning the World Series kind of lessens that impact. I had said in in the middle or at the beginning of the season that if they win into the offseason and then you lose Harper in one season and then Rendon in the next, it would damage the fan base significantly i think that that has changed the fan base has grown it is more uh passionate than it was a year ago certainly with the world series title so the world series title helps them it gives the nationals a little bit of cover if they decide to go in a different direction um interesting thing about this too is that the same situation could present itself to the nationals in four years and that is with trey turner Juan Soto and Victor Robles. Turner is a free agent in four years. Soto and Robles, uh, I believe, in five. And it's it could be an interesting situation four or five years from now. But also, that means that they have to make sure the decisions that they make today, the contracts that they give out today, don't impact their ability to attempt to keep two or at least, or all of them, all three of those people, Trey, Soto, and Robles. Because that's your new core. That's the core of your team. Shortstop. Uh, left field, center field. That's your young core. The team that's those are the three guys. They are going to be the staple of this organization, along with Patrick Corbin, for the next four plus years. So you got to build around them, but also I think you have to try to, if you can, not impair your ability to sign at least one of them, if not all three of them. Um, so you have to ask yourself some decisions that were were not made four or five years ago led to the Nationals winning the World Series. And this is this is going to tie into free agency. Think to yourself for a minute, hypothetically, what would have happened if Jordan Zimmerman 
and Ian Desmond had agreed to the contract extensions that were offered to them. Now, this was less than five years ago, but still the point stands. If those two agree, then I think it's safe to say no Max Scherzer, no Trey Turner. So if you have Trey Turner at shortstop, or I'm sorry, if you have Ian Desmond at shortstop, and you have Jordan Zimmerman behind Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin, do you win the World Series in 2019? I think the answer is a resounding no, you don't. Now, the Nationals offered them what they thought were fair market deals. They offered Jordan Zimmerman, I believe it was five for 100 or five for 105. He only got five million more total, so a million a year with Detroit, but Detroit gave him the full no trade. Jay Zim wanted the full no trade, and the Nationals weren't willing to give it to him because they wanted to maintain flexibility. Desmond was offered a fair market deal, or at least what the Nats thought was a fair market deal. Many people said it was a little bit below. Desmond famously or infamously came out and said that he wasn't just accepting or going after a contract for himself, but he didn't want to set a precedent that would impact future free agent shortstops. I respected the decision at the time. Desmond has a terrible walk year with the Nationals, ends up signing a one-year $8 million deal, I think it was $8 million, with the Rangers, proves himself with the Rangers as an outfielder, and then gets his long-term deal with the Rockies. Listen, Jay Zim and Ian Desmond were beloved here. They're still beloved here. They're folk heroes because they were part of the first winning team, the first playoff team that the Nationals uh, fielded. And they're beloved here. They will always be, every time they're announced here, they're going to get an ovation, all of that. But I think it's safe to say that nobody would trade Max Scherzer for Jordan Zimmerman and nobody would trade Trey Turner for Ian Desmond. So the same is said now when you're looking at the people. Now, the Nationals have two big free agents, Steven Strasburg, Anthony Rendon. It's funny. One's a starting pitcher. One's a position player. They're both um, either in the middle of their prime or, you know, just getting into their prime. And it's an interesting decision because Rendon will most likely get seven, maybe eight years. Strasburg will get six, maybe seven years, taking both of them into their late 30s. Do you make that decision knowing that it could impact your ability to sign Juan Soto to an extension, to keep Victor Robles, to extend Trey Turner? All of those things have to be taken into account, not just the current money, not how it affects 2020 or 2021. So all of that is very interesting to me. And just to kind of flash back in time, 2014, you look at the core of the team then. This is uh, six seasons ago. The core of that team, the team that we love so much, Wilson Ramos catching uh, Adam LaRoche was at first base. Ryan Zimmerman, if you remember that year, he only played in 61 games, but he was a utility guy. Played some left field, which was very interesting. Uh, Danny Espinosa, the uh, aforementioned Ian Desmond, Anthony Rendon, Bryce Harper, Denard Spann, and Jason Worth. All of those players were beloved by the Nationals fan base, and none of them, with the exception of Anthony Rendon, were on the 2019 World Series winning team. Ryan Zimmerman, who was a utility player that year, was on the team, but that's it. So you look at the 2019 team, who will forever be immortalized in D.C., as they should be. And you have to also decide with that, who do we bring back? You don't want to mix nostalgia and reality. So who do you bring back, and who do you have to say goodbye to? We've already said goodbye to Gerardo Parra. The Nats took a very, very small gamble, very, very small, with Jan Gomes. They said, we don't want to pay you 
$9 million this year. We're going to pay you a million dollar buyout. And they got them back two years, $10 million. They saved $3 million in 2020, and they got an extra year of Jan Gomes. Keeps that catching tandem together again, he and Kurt Suzuki, in 2020. Great move. I think that they expected that to happen, but it was a minor risk in case some team kind of swooped in and gave him a deal that he couldn't turn down. So these are decisions that Mike Rizzo and his staff have to make now. Because they have a lot of holes to fill. Don't get me wrong. The Nats have a lot of holes to fill. So let's get into their payroll. Who do they lose? How much were they, according to baseball reference, how much were they impacting their payroll last year? You start at the top with the big boy, Steven Strasburg. $38.3 million was his uh, price tag on the payroll last year, just the way his contract kind of worked out. He opts out of the four years, $100 million remaining on his contract. He had to because he's worth significantly more than that. He'd be a fool not to. So he's a free agent, but he was $38.3 million against the payroll last year. Ryan Zimmerman, $18 million. He's going to be significantly less than that. Big big benefit to the Nats. They'll probably be able to get him back at a, a significant fraction of that, uh, but that comes off of the books. Anthony Rendon, his final year of arbitration, $18.8 million is what he made. Uh, he also free agent. Howie Kendrick, uh, in the second year of a deal, was making $4 million. Matt Adams, $3 million. The Nats bought him out, did not exercise his second-year option. Jan Gomes, we've already talked about. He made $7.1 million last year. They paid him a million to opt him out of his contract, but then they brought him back two years, ten million. Brian Dozier was making nine million, and by the end of the year, he was a almost non-existent player. Really, I mean, the last month of the season, really, once Isdrubal Cabrera joined the team, he had been relegated to pinch hitting. He wasn't really starting anymore. Um, so Dozier was making nine million. I mean, we all loved Dozier the way he danced to Calma. Uh, the end of the, the parade when he's on stage, rips his shirt off, starts dancing to combat. We all love Brian Dozier. Will forever be uh, part of this Washington Nationals team. But he's making $9 million last year. He's overpaid. Uh, and then two guys, actually, excuse me, three guys who total $10 million of payroll who had zero impact on the Nationals World Series team. Kyle Barakal was $1.725 million. When I say zero impact, he played, but he didn't play well. The infamous Trevor Rosenthal, $7 million last year. And then um, Jeremy Hellickson at $1.3 million who got hurt and never saw the field again. He was in the bullpen uh, kind of as a long man, emergency man at the end of the season, but we never really saw him again after the summer. So all of that total, those guys who are now free agents, Strasburg, Zimmerman, Rendon, Kendrick Adams, Gomes, Dozier, Barakal, Rosenthal, and Hellickson were a total of $108.2 million of payroll. That's more than half of the Nats' payroll. The Nats' payroll last year uh, just barely eclipsed $200 million. So the Nats have money to play with. Now they have players going into arbitration. Their salaries will go up. So I've kind of ballparked it, even with the Gomes signing, that the Nats have somewhere in the neighborhood of $85 to $90 million in 2020 salary to throw around. If they're going to stay at the same level, stay under the luxury tax, stay at the same level, which I think they're going to do. So with that in mind, you have to think to yourself, all right, what do you have to think about? We've already kind of talked about this. Uh, Juan Soto is arbitration eligible uh, in 2022, so his salary is going to start escalating very quickly after 2022, unless the Nats extend him, which I'm a big fan of. I think the Nats should go to him a la you know, Ronald Acuna. Uh, with the Braves, or even, you know, Ozzie Albies did the same thing. 
look to an eight, nine-year deal, buy out the first two, three years of his free agency. He's so young that if you gave him a nine-year deal now, he still hits free agency at 30, uh, and you make it worth his while. He gets paid more at the front end, probably underpaid at the back end. I don't hate that idea with Juan Soto. And I think you the sooner you do it, the better, because the way he's playing, his price tag's only going to go up. And the Nats should have learned the hard way what price tags going up can do to you. Because had they given or offered Anthony Rendon a reasonable extension in the spring of last year, they would have gotten him for probably 8 to $9 million a year less. They probably could have gotten him for around $24 million a year Whereas now Rendon's probably looking closer to 32 or $33 million a year. So I think with Soto, you strike while the iron is hot uh, with him, but also in a situation where you still have five years of team control and you say to yourself, this is a guy, we want him to be part of our team forever, and you pay him. You pay him what he's, what he's worth you pay him. And then you might even consider doing the same with Robles. You could probably, or you should definitely be able to get Robles for a lot less. Uh, I would I would consider doing the same thing with him. Um, but again, Juan Soto is free agent eligible after 2025. The same can be said for, um, excuse me, for uh, Victor Robles. Now, Trey Turner, his first year of uh, arbitration is this year. Uh, he's a free agent after 2023. So that's another guy you might want to approach about an extension now. He had an injury last season, wasn't his fault, got hit in the hand with a pitch while trying to bunt. But you might be able to get him while his price is a little bit lower. And they maybe they learn from the Anthony Rendon thing. They use a little bit of that $90 million that they have this year and extend Turner, Robles, Soto, and you solidify your core for the next six, seven years. I love that idea. I think it's a good way to spend your money, but it's also something you have to think about if you don't do that with the contracts that you give out this offseason. So areas in which this team, in my mind, are solid. Areas where you don't really need to add via free agency. First one is outfield. Your starting outfield is set. It's locked in place. Adam Eaton, Juan Soto, Victor Robles, they just tendered a contract to Michael A. Taylor, so he's coming back, and you still have Andrew Stevenson. I think that that's all you need. Um, maybe they add a veteran at a veteran minimum as a potential uh, fourth, fifth outfielder, kind of like, I mean, they brought Para in uh, midseason, but kind of like a Para guy, it's something you might think about doing. But with Stevenson and Taylor, this is a place where you can use the young guys. Taylor really impressed me in the postseason. Kind of like he did in 2017 against the Cubs. He impressed me in the postseason. He has not had good regular seasons. He strikes out too much, uh, doesn't get on base enough, but he plays a phenomenal center field. And for me, right now, he slots in as a perfect fourth outfielder, spelling uh, Adam Eaton, uh, who's going to need some spelling. Soto and Robles will probably play in the neighborhood of 155 to 160 games this year. So they're not going to need much help unless one of them, you know, God forbid, gets injured. So, again, your outfield is set. Eaton, Soto, Robles, Michael A., Andrew Stevenson. Catching position because they brought Young Gomes back. You're set there. It's going to be identical to 2019. Suzuki and Gomes. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they break that up this year. Uh, with the uh, last year, they went in thinking 
Gomes would probably catch the lion's share of the game, 60%. Uh, catching probably Scherzer, Strasburg, and uh, Corbin. Uh, did not turn out that way. Uh, Suzuki ended up catching about 60% of the games with Gomes catching only Corbin and then whoever the fifth starter was at that time, whether it was Joe Ross, Austin Voth, um, Eric Fetty. So they'll probably duke that out in uh, spring training. Again, Suzuki's going to be a year older. Guy is amazing when he plays, but again, he's one guy that you really have to monitor his uh, playing time. It's interesting. Gomes is one of those guys he really showed in September and then also in the playoffs that when he gets consistent playing time, he's a better hitter. So it'll be something that'll be interesting for Davey Martinez to figure out how to handle that, the best way to maneuver that. But a catcher, they're solid. Shortstop, Trey is your entrenched starter. Uh, you brought Defoe back. You tendered him a contract. If he makes the opening day roster, he's a perfect fit as a backup shortstop. Backup, really, utility guy, middle infielder. Uh, I think shortstop, you're set. You're not going to see anything done there uh, in free agency. Starting pitching. Now, this is a place of uh, where we're solid, but also it's an area of need. It's an interesting situation because your top three starters are among the best top three, even without Strasburg, among the best top three in the National League. I'm not going to say they're the best, but they're among the best. Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, Anibal Sanchez. And then you have a trio of young guys who can fight for that fifth spot. Joe, uh, Joe Ross showed great signs at the end of last year. I even thought he looked pretty good in his World Series start. I happen to be at that game, but I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, he kind of got screwed on the... Uh, on the home run to Correa, he had him struck out, and then he gives up the hanging slider for the home run. But I think Joe Ross is a solid option. You know, he's now, what, two years removed, I believe, from Tommy John. He might be ready to take off and really assume that fifth role. But you also have Eric Fetty, and you have Austin Voth. And Voth looked pretty good at the end of last year as well as a solid 4-5 pitcher for them. So they have three guys that can fight for that fifth spot. So when I say they're solid, they don't need to add a fifth starting pitcher. Now, we go into the biggest needs, number one for me, <laughs> starting pitcher. And the reason why is you have a guy in Steven Strasburg who is virtually irreplaceable. There's one pitcher on the market that you could realistically replace him with, and that's Garrett Cole, but Cole's going to be more expensive. Strasburg had a 6.5 war season last year, 3.32 uh, ERA. 209 innings pitch showed a lot of durability, but the real time, and 251 strikeouts, by the way, nothing to sneeze at. The place he really shined, and a place that it's so hard to find guys that can do this, he was lights out. Absolutely lights out in the postseason. One of the greatest postseasons of all time, wins World Series MVP. Strauss, to me, has to be, has to be the Nationals' number one priority going into the offseason. And I think he is. I think... The way it sounds, they're waiting on him. He wants to, he and Boris want to see what else is out there, what kind of contract is out there. If I was a guessing man, I don't know the man myself, but if I was guessing, I think he wants to stay in D.C., especially because his hometown team, San Diego Padres, have basically waved the white flag and said, we can't afford you. I think he wants to stay in D.C. He moved his family here full-time, uh, but I do think he's also kind of seeing what's out there just so he can maximize his earning potential. I've got no problem with that. I think there's a great chance that he's back with the Nationals, but I think he's also should be he also should be their number 1 priority. Today, Zach Wheeler is already gone. To be honest, I wasn't interested in many way the Nationals historically have just destroyed Zach Wheeler. 
He had a phenomenal last six starts of the season that really lowered his ERA into a more palatable zone. He has had two seasons of durability coming off of Tommy John, but he also does have a history uh, of injury problems. He is too inconsistent for me. He is not in the class of Steven Strasburg or Garrett Cole. And I believe that the Phillies overpaid him. They gave him five years and hundred, I believe $120 million. So he's essentially he's making more than Patrick Corbin or right around Patrick Corbin money. I'd rather have Patrick Corbin. So his wheelers off the board. Cole Hamels also signed with the Braves, a one-year $18 million deal. Very similar to the deal that they gave Dallas Keuchel last year. I like Cole Hamels. I think he's a very serviceable kind of three guy, maybe two guy in certain rotations, but he's a three guy. Really still has good stuff. Um, he's going to be consistent for you. I like Cole Hamels. Um, not somebody that I would think that would fit with the Nationals uh, on a one-year deal. Again, not a guy to me also that can fully replace a Steven Strasburg. So if Strauss signs somewhere else, he met with the Yankees today. I don't know how many teams are actually interested in him because of his price tag. He's also 31. In July, he'll be 32. He has some injury history where he's, you know, last year he was completely durable, but he has missed time in previous seasons. How many teams are all in at his price tag? I don't know. The Yankees might be if they don't get Garrett Cole. I don't think they're in if they get Garrett Cole. I don't think they want to spend $65 plus million on two pitchers. Um, so his market might be a lot smaller than we think it is. But if he signs elsewhere, if the Dodgers, who apparently have been interested in him, the Angels maybe, um, the Yankees, those are probably the three big ones. Maybe Texas comes in and tries to make a big splash. But... If he leaves, who are the alternatives? Well, I mean, Garrett Cole is an alternative. I mean, if you were prepared to pay Steven Strasburg 30 or $31 million a year, what's the harm in paying Garrett Cole 3 or $4 million more than that at $35 million a year? I don't think, and again, these are all estimates. These are all my amateur opinion of what you could get. But if you were willing to pay Steven Strasburg 30 to 31 why wouldn't you pay Garrett Cole? And I think that's why Mike Rizzo... And the Nationals reportedly have told both Steven Strasburg and Anthony Rendon, listen, guys, we need an answer. Kind of like they did to Bryce Harper last year. They gave Harper a deadline. He didn't meet it. They went out and got Patrick Corbin. They're like, we got money to spend. We want to spend it. We don't want to wait for the market to set itself and for people to be unavailable. I think they did the same thing with Strauss. So option one would certainly be Garrett Cole. I don't think that they have a shot at Garrett Cole. I think that a team like the Yankees, potentially the Angels, which is uh, Garrett Cole's hometown team, I, I think they're going to throw a boatload of money at him, and I think the Na it's going to price the Nationals out. Um, and I think, again, Strauss, homegrown guy. The franchise loves him. I believe that he loves the franchise. Uh, I think it's a match made in heaven. I think he comes back. I think that what they're doing right now is they're doing their due diligence before signing a deal with the Nats to make sure they're not, they're not leaving any money on the table. That's where I stand. However, if we're going to go down this road... If Cole's not an option, Strauss is gone, who's left? Well, Gio Gonzalez. He's out there, free agent. You got Hunjin Ryu, who had a good year last year, had a great first half, kind of fell off in the second half uh, for the Dodgers. Uh, Dallas Keuchel is available, signed a one-year deal with the Braves. He was okay, not great. He also did not have a, a full spring training and he kind of had to ramp up midseason, so I don't really hold that against him. I think that he'll get a decent deal this year. And also another brave, Julio Tehran, is available. But all of them, significant steps below Steven Strasburg. Do not replace him. Now, if you want to talk about a guy 
who to me is in that second tier below Cole and Strasburg, uh, and I think would be a better option even than Zach Wheeler, who's already signed, is Madison Bumgarner. Now, a lot of mileage for Madison Bumgarner. I get that. I mean, he's only uh, 30 years old. He'll be 31 in uh, August. I get all of that. However, I also get, excuse me, I also get that he's thrown 1,846 innings uh, since 2009. It's a lot. He, he started pitching uh, technically when he was 19, but he had, his first half season in the major leagues was when he was 20 through 18 games, 111 innings pitched. But last year, he threw, had 34 starts, 3.90 ERA um, on a bad team, uh, threw 207 two-thirds innings, 203 strikeouts. Um, he's a crafty lefty who has big game experience. Arguably one of the greatest postseason pitchers in history. Um, he could replace Strasburg in the postseason. Now, is he going to replace him in the regular season? Probably not. But he could replace Strasburg in the postseason. So if you're going for an option B slash C, Madison Bumgarner might be your guy. He's probably going to get a contract maybe slightly less than Zach Wheeler just because Wheeler's a little bit younger, also has less mileage on his arm. But I think you could probably get Madison Bumgarner for somewhere in the neighborhood of five years, $110 million, maybe $120 million. And again, would be a discount because they were planning on paying. I'm sure that they have it slow, kind of penciled into their uh, their budget. They were planning on paying Strasburg somewhere around 30 to 31. I think the Nationals should, well, I'll get to this in a minute, but I think the Nationals should say to Stras, six for 180. Let's do it. Make you a nat for life, essentially, because be, your contract will be up when you're almost 37. Let's make you a nat for life. Uh, I think that's probably the likely thing that happens. Uh, he might want that seventh year like Scherzer got. They are around the same age. Uh, I believe that Scher, uh, Strasburg's a little bit older. Strasburg, yeah, a little bit. They're about the same age. Um, when uh, They are about the same age as when Scherzer signed his big deal. So he might be pushing for that seventh year. That might be a sticking point. But again, Madison Bumgarner, there are worse um, second options. And, and, a, and a rotation, a front four of Scherzer, Bumgarner, Corbin, and Sanchez, you know, you could do a lot worse. The Nationals would still be one of the favorites to win a National League East with a rotation like that. All right, let's go to third base. Another area of need, obviously Rendon leaving, potentially going to make 32 to $33 million per year. Could be over seven or eight years. Arenado got eight years, uh, Arenado two years younger than Anthony Rendon, but still got that big contract last year. Um, potential option, if you don't have Rendon, is Josh Donaldson. You could get him on a shorter deal for less money per year because he's a little bit older. Is Carter Keeboom ready to be an everyday player in the major leagues? That's a big question. You have some lower-cost options. Neil Walker, um, who can play really first base, second base, third base. Uh, you have Ben Zobrist. He's 39, but he can play first base, second base, third base. You can even throw him in the outfield at one of the corners. Uh, Michael Franco, uh, who uh, the Phillies did not uh, offer a contract to, he's available. Uh, the old panda, Pablo Sandoval, is available, and uh, Todd Frazier. So you have some big names, especially Sandoval, Frazier, Ben Zobrist. Uh, those would be your lower-cost options, significantly lower-cost options at shorter terms uh, if you can't get Rendon. Rendon is the prize. Donaldson would be second prize. Uh, it seems like it's going to be moving pretty quickly. It seems like the Braves are very interested in bringing Donaldson back. Uh, so I think that's also the same deal with Strasburg. It's the reason why Rizzo and the Nats have kind of put a clock on it. 
And they said, we need to know pretty soon, which is not the way really Boris operates. Um, so that the Nats can pivot from Rendon to Donaldson if they need to. Uh, and then they'd be fighting an in, a division rival in the Braves for uh, Josh Donaldson. Second base, another big need. You have a huge hole there. You've lost basically three guys that played second base for you. Not basically. I mean, you lost three guys. Howie Kendrick is Drupal Cabrera and Brian Dozier. All three of those guys play second base. Options for the Nats. Howie and Cabrera could come back as a tandem. Howie's not an everyday player. He's even admitted that. Cabrera, they could kind of share time there. They would also help at first base because both of them can play first base. You could kind of have three guys that are manning first and second. Um, Dozier could also come back if he's willing to take a significant pay cut. Uh, I'm not sure where he is with that. Um, he's not a $9 million a year guy anymore. He's probably in the neighborhood of 3 to $5 million, in my opinion. Um, so he could come back. Lower cost options, you got Jonathan Scope. Again, Ben Zobris, Neil Walker, and then Joe Panic, who finished the season last year with the Giants, or not the Giants, with the Mets, but he's played most of his career with the San Francisco Giants. And then first base. I think this is the smallest question mark uh, because uh, Ryan Zimmerman was at the debut of the, um, the documentary, World Series documentary, the other night, and he said, I made, my, I made my position pretty clear. I only want to play here or I'm going to play more golf. Essentially, he's saying, I'm only going to play for the Nats. I'm not going anywhere else. They're going to come to an agreement. It's just a question of how much money it's going to be. Zim's coming back at a team-friendly price. The real question is you need a platoon option for Zim. Do you want a left-handed hitter, a power hitter, left-handed? You know, Then that would be Matt Adams. That would be Mitch Moreland. Uh, are you looking to have like a Howie Cabrera-Zim split up first and second base? You know, if you have, you know, you between those two positions, you need to eat up what 324 games. Howie can probably play about 120 if you're really getting a lot out of him. Zim's probably, let's say, 90. That's 210, and then Cabrera could probably do 120. So you're going to get most of the way there, and then maybe Defoe fills in the rest. That's another option. Eric Thames, big power power uh, hitting right-hander played for the Brewers for the last several years and then Greg Bird left-hander that uh, played for the Yankees who's a free agent so those are the other options at first base Zim I think is like a 99% chance to come back unless they just can't agree on terms but I don't think that that's going to be an issue and then uh, it's just going to be a question of who they want to platoon with Zim because Zim is clearly not an everyday player and you also have to build in the potential for Zim uh, spending some time on the injured reserve because unfortunately that has been his reality for most of the last five or six years so the final one would be bullpen that's always a concern uh daniel hudson was the big loss in the offseason uh joined at the trading deadline he's a guy i'd like to see them bring back plenty of options the bullpen is such a crapshoot josh Hader is an available trade piece apparently if you're willing to give up your entire farm system um Nats are bringing back some good arms I mean you still have Wander Suero coming back he's used a lot last year I hope he's used a little bit less this year Hunter Strickland is coming back they tendered him great stuff um you just hope that they said I read an article the other day that said they were already in the process of fixing him they've kind of identified where his inconsistencies are so we maybe we'll see with with Paul Menhart and their pitching staff uh at some improvement some consistency from Hunter Strickland because he's got great stuff I mean high velocity fastball pretty good breaking ball uh a guy that could be a big asset obviously if Sean Doodle coming back um they picked up his option um so they have some good arms coming back 
And uh, Tanner Rainey, who, if he takes a step forward, could be a, a great eighth-inning option for the Nats. Um, so, But they're going to have some holes to fill. I mean, Fernando Rodney's gone. He picked up a lot of innings at the end of the year. Uh, Daniel Hudson picked up a lot of innings. Uh, sad news this week, Coda Glover, who did not pitch for the Nats this year, but um, was a promising young arm for them who could never stay healthy. He, at 26, announced his retirement. Um, that was a bummer, man. I like Coda. He had, a great, he had great stuff. Uh, had the mentality of a closer. Really had the mentality to be the, a future closer for this team, and it just didn't work out due to injuries. Um, so he's uh, unfortunately had to retire. But uh, the Nats bullpen, as always, is a question mark. Uh, Rizzo has had a kind of a checkered pass with the bullpen, uh, but he did some made some nice moves. They do have um, was it Elias coming back as well? Um, he's under team control. So, um, but adding a piece or two to the bullpen, maybe bringing Huddy back, and then. One other person um, to solidify the back end of the bullpen would be great. Uh, I think Hudson, a combination of Hudson and Doolittle closing out games for you, pitching the eighth inning, uh, would be welcome a welcome sight in D.C. in 2020. So, um, real quick, I'm going to take some water here. But um, Nats have, let's say, about $90 million to spend. And that's with Gomes, you know, if they're going to stay around the same threshold last year, Stay just under the luxury tax. They have about $90 million to spend. So the first thought is if you bring back Rendon and Strasburg, $90 million turns into probably somewhere in the neighborhood of $25 million. And you have $25 million to fill first base, second base, your bullpen. Um, not a ton of money. It can be done, but not a ton of money. But also, you're committing to $65 million a year for at least the next... Six years. Strasburg, the smallest deal, he'll probably take his six. How does that impact moving forward? Something to think about. So how, in my mind, should the Nats spend $90 million, not only thinking about 2020, but thinking to the future? How should they spend $90 million? I'm going to start with, well, Gomes is already back. They've got their te- catching tandem in place for 2020. He was brought back at two for 10, so that's $5 million a year. I said it at the outset, Strasburg should be the number one priority. I think you can get him for six and 180, $30 million a year. Lock him up. We talked about backup plans. I think you could get Bumgarner for five years, $120 million. Again, he's 30 years old, had a 3.90 ERA last year, and he's a proven postseason performer. But to me, option A, Steven Strasburg, $30 million a year, uh, six years, $180 million. Just lock it in. Get rid of the opt-outs. He doesn't need him once he goes into his mid-30s. Lock him down. You know, he should be a gnat for life, in my opinion. Ryan Zimmerman, I think you can bring him back. I think, personally, you can get him for around $3 million a year. I think you give him a one-year deal at $3 million with a team option for another $3 million in 2021 and somewhere in the neighborhood of like a $500,000 buyout if the Nats don't want him back in 2021. I think that that's enough to bring him in, $3 million a year because he's going to be a part-time player. I think you go get Howie Kendrick and you say, we're going to give you another two-year deal Two years, $9 million, $4.5 million a year. He's going to be 37 this year, but as a part-time player, the guy can still hit. Uh, he can still play second base. He can still play first base. And he is a, even though he's a veteran, he is a cheap alternative. Um, well, not a cheap alternative. There aren't a lot of second basemen out there. But um, he's the best available. He loves D.C. D.C. loves him. You have familiarity with him. I'd love to bring Howie back. He would be your regular second baseman for 110, 120 games. 
I would also bring in Neil Walker. Uh, bring in Neil Walker. I think he could probably get him for about a million and a half a year for one year, a one-year deal, $1.5 million. And he's a guy that can – he's a switch hitter. He can play first base. He can play second. And he can even back up at third. So Neil Walker, to me, he fills the gap for Howie at second. Maybe he also helps fill the gap behind Zim at first. Uh, he's a switch hitter. He can play three positions. I really like Neil Walker. But they're not going to need him to back up Zimmerman at first because I think your guy to platoon with Zim at first is Mitch Moreland. I think you bring Mitch Moreland in, the big lefty from Boston. Two years, $12 million, so six, year, $6 million a year. It's about on par with what he's made the last couple of years. Uh, he averaged 18 home runs a year over the last three years. He's a left-handed platoon first baseman with Zim. Had an 835 OPS last year. Uh, I really like bringing him in. I think it's a solid value at six or seven million dollars a year for two years. Um, backup plan for me if you can't get Mitch Moreland. I know you want a lefty to back Zim up, but if you can't get Mitch Moreland, Eric Thames, big power. He can platoon at first. He can also be kind of an emergency outfielder for you. I got no problem with them bringing him in as well. Here's the one that's going to probably upset some people. I think you let Rendon go because I believe. That Rendon had such a monster season that he made himself cost prohibitive. And here's why I say this. Rendon is going to be worth at least $32 or $33 million. He was worth it in this year. He's worth it last year. He's going to be worth at least that for probably the next three to four years. But the last three to four years of his contract, he will not be worth that. And that's when you're going to need to be paying Juan Soto and Victor Robles and Trey Turner. And if you can get somebody at a deal that's shorter than that, whose deal kind of comes off the books as those three guys are really going to be getting paid, that's a better option. And it's a guy who maybe you lose a little bit, but not a ton, you know, and that to me is Josh Donaldson. I think you go hard after Josh Donaldson. Um, I think you could probably get Josh Donaldson for somewhere in the 21 to $22 million a year range. You can give him four years somewhere between eighty-five to eighty-eight million dollars a year. Or I'm sorry, four years eighty-five million to eighty-eight million, twenty-one to twenty-two million dollars a year. He had a six point one more last year, which was not much below Anthony Rendon. Hit thirty-seven homers, and he'll probably be somewhere uh, to between ten to twelve million cheaper and two to three years shorter than Anthony Rendon because he's a couple years older. Um those are the top two at the at the top of the third base market. A guy that I really liked, I would have liked the Nats to jump on, but he's already signed with the Cincinnati Reds is Mike Moustakis. He's gone. So those are the top two. Otherwise, you're going to have to do patchwork at third base unless you think Carter Keboom is ready to play. Backup plan for them. This is a tough one with Moustakis already off the board. Um, I think Mikel Franco is probably your best plan C option. Got a high ceiling, but also has a big boomer bust factor. But he's a guy that, I mean, if you can't get Rendon and Donaldson, you could get Franco for a lot cheaper. Uh, he's probably the guy that you go to. And then maybe you think about, you know, is whenever Keeboom's ready, you bring him up. And then I would also bring Daniel Hudson back. Um, this was a tough one for me salary-wise because he had a great second half. Of the, he had a great season, had a great postseason, but it was one good season. Um so how much is he worth? I mean, you got a guy like Zach Britton who's making $13 million a year. Drew Pomerantz kind of making the same money. Um, 
Is he worth $13 million a year? I don't really think so. I think he's probably closer to like 8 to $9 million a year. Uh, how many years? Two, three. I think three for 24. You know, $8 million a year. Again, I'm an amateur. But he proved himself in October. Proved himself to be a big-time closer or just a big-time arm out of the bullpen. I think Doolittle could be the closer as well. He is a great compliment to Doolittle. Uh, if you're looking for a backup plan if Hudson doesn't come back or maybe just another arm to add in addition to Hudson, uh, is anybody here up for a Blake Trinan uh, renewal? Or not renewal, reunion. Uh, the A's non-tendered him after he had a historic 2018. His 2019 was very pedestrian. We were very used to that kind of a roller coaster when he was with us. I'm not a huge fan of bringing him back. I think it would be uh, kind of, I don't know the word I want to use. Um I don't think he'd want to come back. I don't think he's got good memories of being here for whatever reason. How about Dylan Batances? Only pitched two-thirds of an inning in 2019, was hurt all year, has a high upside. Um, he's potential. I think you could get him for on a one-year deal, a show-me deal, kind of like they did with Trevor Rosenthal. Big boom, but also a big bust. Could be potential there for like a $6 million, $7 million deal for Batances on a one-year show-me deal. Uh, or the big one, that I thought you could do, even though it's inside the division. The Mets, are, I think, are desperate to get rid of Edwin Diaz. Uh, you could potentially trade for him. I don't think it would cost you too much, especially if you're willing to take on his contract. So for me, uh, with Edwin Diaz, I mean, he had a 5.59 ERA in 2019. I mean, it was a miserable season for him. Um, and he's cheap. His salary is cheap. He's uh, first-year arbitration eligible this year. Earliest he can be a free agent is 2023. Um, he had a 1.61 ERA in 2018. But he also had a 4.02 ERA in 2017. So who? what is the real Edwin Diaz? Has great stuff. Maybe he just needs a different environment to get himself going again. And remember, he's still only 26 years old. So that could be another option. There are a ton of options out on the free agent market. Tyler Clippard's available. Um, a lot of options on the free agent market for bullpen pieces. Bottom line is this, the Nats have a lot of money um, to spend, and but the two biggest questions are, do you go with your heart or do you go with your brain? Because Rendon and Strasburg have gigantic pieces of the Nationals' heart. Strasburg, in my opinion, more so than Rendon. He's been around longer. He was the first big draft pick the Nats had other than Ryan Zimmerman, but the, the you know 2009 really signaled the, turn, the start of the turnaround for the Nats. Um, the shutdown in 2012 and uh, 2017 pitching sick against the Cubs. He has really, he feels like, even though he's only a couple years younger than me, he feels like a kid that we've watched grow up in front of our eyes. And he feels like he's ours. And we don't want him to be anybody else's. And then you look at Anthony Rendon, flew under the radar for the first six years of his career because of Bryce Harper. Harper leaves, Rendon takes off even more, becomes a real legitimate superstar because he's on the national stage in the postseason. But the question you have to ask yourself is, he's worth 32 to $33 million a year now, and he deserves that contract. He's earned that contract. But is it the best, based, is the be, is it the best business for the Nationals organization to give him seven years at $33 million? I'm not so sure. I'm really not. I don't think if you keep Strasburg but lose Rendon and you replace Rendon 
with Josh Donaldson, I don't think it has that big of a negative impact on the fan base. People are going to miss Rendon. They're going to be upset the day that he signs. But remember, people were devastated when Harper signed with Philly. And remember, what was it April 2nd? The first game against the Phillies at Nats Park. The Nats get shelled. Harper hits the big bomb, starts gloating in the outfield. How helpless that felt. Do we feel any of that now? No, we have the World Series championship. So the fan base will get over it, just like they got over Ian Desmond leaving. They got over Jordan Zimmerman leaving. Daniel Murphy being traded. Gio Gonzalez being traded. All these things, they hurt in the moment, but you get over them. I think... Rendon has made himself cost prohibitive. I think that there is a team out there that will pay him ridiculous money, 32, 33, 34 million dollars a year. The Rangers, the Dodgers uh, come to mind, maybe the Angels. Um, so if it's up to me, if I'm Mike Rizzo right now, I'm heavily engaging in Josh Donaldson. I know that he's got injury history. I'm heavily engaging in Josh Donaldson. Because uh, you're not just thinking about 2020, you're thinking about 2023 when Trey Turner becomes a free agent, 2025 when Robles and Soto become free agents, because you got to take care of those guys. And again, I am a big, I, my last offseason, I rang the bell over and over and over again, extend Rendon, and they should have done it, they could have gotten for a lot cheaper. I'm saying right now, extend at least one Soto. Eight, nine years, buy out the first few years of free agency, extend Juan Soto. This fan base, if you lose Rendon but extend Juan Soto to this fan base, it's going to be a net positive. And even potentially extend uh, Robles, kind of like how the Braves went to Acuna and then they went to Ozzie Albies. Uh, lock these guys in. You'll know how they impact your budget for the next six, seven, eight years, and then maybe even approach Trey Turner, uh, who has uh, th- until 2023 with the Nats. So that's the uh, long-winded, almost 50-minute free agency preview for the Nats. Uh, It's funny. I I checked Twitter before I jumped on here. Uh, It's about 9 o'clock on uh, Wednesday night, December 4th. Uh, Things are likely to change before some of you hear this. Some of these people I've talked about may have already signed. But Nats are going to be one of the more intriguing teams. They have more money to spend than most, and they're going to spend it um, as World Series champions. They had a financial windfall because they went all the way to the Fall Classic. They won the Fall Classic. Uh, this is not a time that the learners are going to be cheap. I just hope it's a time that they're going to be smart and let Rizzo make the decisions because Rizzo is not only going to think about 2020, he's going to think about 2023 and beyond. And that's what we want. We want to continue to be one of the most competitive teams in baseball. As Rizzo said, put a 90, 90-ish win team on the field that always gives us a chance to make the postseason. And then once you're in the postseason, just like in 2019, you get a chance to win it all. Uh, and the Nats have given us eight years of that. I'd love another 10 years of that. So let's uh, let's keep it rolling. Uh, this has been a blast. I hope you guys enjoyed it again. It's about time, DC1, ITS, about time, DC, and the number one on Twitter. Um, and then obviously subscribe to us, rate us on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you listen to us. As always, we appreciate you guys listening to us, and we will uh, talk to you next time.